now for something totally different. Brought to you by The Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Last week, David Hutchison spent an hour in the living room of Hall of Famer Glenn Hall discussing goaltending and the original six era, the evolution, invention of the butterfly. It was fascinating. Today, we skip back to 2019 and hang out with one of the top professional goaltending camps in hockey. Hello and welcome to episode 30. I'm Darren Millard. It's been a week since we chatted, but the content is separated by more than a half century. If Hutch or his in-goal co-founder Kevin Woodley are ever going to hurt themselves recording this podcast, this will be the episode as we challenge their dexterity. Uh, Hutch, let's bring you in first and, and please explain how you're going to follow up the time with Glenn Hall in Edmonton with what you did this week in the Okanagan. Uh, it's been a just returned from the three week plus uh, road trip here. And as you said, we were with uh, Glenn Hall taking a big step back in time for that uh, fantastic afternoon together. Um, might have been about an hour on our recording, but it was more than three hours sitting in his living room. It was fascinating. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. Uh, we went from back in time with Glenn Hall reminiscing about the past to in many ways stepping forward to the future as we looked at uh, one of the most cutting edge uh, goalie development opportunities when we stopped by Kelowna and the uh, Net360 uh, camp there and uh, had a conversation with their founders. That is really cool. And you'll get the agent side of things as well as the technical uh, angle from the world of goaltending with Net360 and that conversation in just a little bit. Uh, Kevin Woodley, Woody, uh, returns for the full episode after a much-deserved week with his family on the west side of Vancouver Island, surfing in Tofino. Uh, you were back at the hockey shop to record the gear segment with Cam. How is Cam? Cam is good. Still married. That's a positive. We're, we're <laughs> oh like my. a month in. You, you so. talk like, like, it, like it's, it's touch and go here for the first six months. Uh, maybe that's just my experience, you know. I, I, oh, you're done. <laughs> God, you know, everything I did was pretty much like fooled her into marrying me, and then the first six months she really got to know me. So maybe it's just me that was, you know, trying to survive for that first half a year. But 18 years later, uh, it's all good. So hopefully that's uh, the same for Cam in the future. Yeah, uh, you know, I was actually in before we get to the hockey shop. I was actually in Kelowna at Net360 before Hutch. And was actually on the golf course with Hellebuck and Troy Grosnick on the Sunday that he was in Glenn Hall's living room. And he texted me the pictures of him with Glenn Hall. And so I'm on a golf course with, you know, two NHL goalies and Joe Clark, uh, Connor Hellebuck's longtime goalie coach. And we're having a great day. It's beautiful. Uh, we're up at Gallagher's Canyon. Thanks to Golf BC for that. And just like, like this is, this is pretty close to heaven. And... Hutch's pictures come in, the text message pictures of him and Glenn Hall. And dude, we're all jealous. Like we're playing golf in the Okanagan in like low 30s heat, perfect day. And we're all jealous that he's in Glenn Hall's living room. So it's not often you can be in a golf course with a couple NHLers and get one up by your business partner. Uh, but Hutch, <laughs> Hutch, you pulled that one off last I week. Don't, so I don't one up you very often. It was a nice day. So and then from, you went to Tofino. And then I went, yeah, drove uh, late into the night Monday, up early Tuesday to Tofino. So I uh, enjoyed listening to the pod this this week. And then as soon as I got back, it was off to see Cam at the hockey shop, as I always do. That's my place I go for uh, goaltending specific stuff. 
because that is the best place to go for goaltending specific stuff because they have guys like Cam uh, and Jono down there, guys that play the position, know the position, uh, and can help you play the position better by getting you set up in all the latest brands. Um, they have a huge selection down there in the basement on the lower floor of the hockey shop source for sports in Surrey uh, and also at the hockey shop.com this week we're going to talk later in the show uh, about the warrior chest and arm uh, selection chest protectors as some like to call them uh, and a bit of a bonus there is that's a product that can cross the border if you're listening to us from the United States south of the 49th uh, not only can you get some of the pri- best prices on the latest gear from the hockey shop.com um, but this is one that you can get the bonus of using your American dollar to flex that muscle in Canada and, and get an even bigger discount so uh, for cross-border shopping uh, if you're an American goaltender, uh, just because the Hockey Shop Source for Sports is physically located in Vancouver or on the outskirts of Vancouver and Surrey, doesn't mean you can't get savings at thehockeyshop.com. Make sure you check them out. And if you have any questions, contact them through the website. Uh, that's what we love about it, right? Not just the best stuff, not just the latest stuff, but really kind of cool, um, innovative stuff, things that other people haven't thought of. Uh, special models, special selection. Like they, when they have, when they bring in gear, they bring in gear that's specific to them. Special features that they've ordered from the manufacturers because of their strong relationships with them. So make sure you check it all out at thehockeyshop.com. That's where I go, and that's where you should go too. And that's where I go uh, through thehockeyshop.com. And uh, the the new knee pads I have, outstanding. Don't even know that they're on. It's. Uh, I wish I would have done it a long time ago. We'll catch up with Cam shortly over at the hockey shop, hockeyshop.com. First, our feature interview, and on his way back from Edmonton and that visit with Glenn Hall, Hutch stopped over in Kelowna to take in the movement and the uh, the actions of the acclaimed Net360 camp. This goalie camp involves several NHL starters and even more athletes who are trying to get to that stage. It works with junior age goalies, but is best known for the time with the professionals. Net360 isn't just a camp, it's a borderline philosophy. It's a collaboration between the fitness and the technique umbrellas and an agent. And Kevin, uh, I'm going to get you to draw an org chart. I know Hutch, you did the interview, uh, but but Woody, just can you can you tell us what Net360 is under the Alpha Hockey umbrella? Okay, so Alpha Hockey Agency is the agency run by Ray Petkow, and he works with Adam Francilia there. Net360 is a week long camp that they develop together. So. Um, really sort of the two of them as co-founders is how it, I would I would picture that sort of side-by-side coordinating and organizing this thing. But then they bring in, they talk in the interview with Hutch about this web of people they work with. And, you know, that includes everything from the goalie coaches um, to the physiotherapy. Uh, they make sure that everything is sort of done top drawer. And from the goalie coaching standpoint, I think Ryan Sear uh, out of Winnipeg, and GDI in the rink there is a guy that's really kind of served the role of coordinating and organizing all the other goalie coaches they invite. Um, there's been a long list over the years. Not everyone's annual, but guys like Fred Brathwaite have been regulars. Joe Clark, I mentioned, one of Connor Hellebuck's longtime uh, goalie coaches and mentors. And he's actually got a new mentorship program that he's uh, starting himself uh, sort of to help guide goalies down the path of development and 
tackling things like some of the things that Ray talked about, like almost before an agent, but tackling things like decisions involving junior and, and, and NCAA and stuff like that. Uh, James Jensen, who works with the WHL, uh, Everett silver tips has done some work with hockey Canada. We've seen Wade Flaherty there, uh, former pro goaltender somewhat recently, Nathan Lewin, uh, Jordan Sigalet of the Flames, Robbie Tallis of the Florida Panthers. Like, there's been a lot of different goalie coaches over the year, and everybody sort of brings a different voice, a different philosophy. But in a think tank type environment, not my way or the highway. A lot of shared ideas, shared opinions, shared drills, and then they all kind of brainstorm and and they all kind of pick how they're going to work at their stations, and then the goalies in pairs work through those stations over the over the course of the five days off the ice. Or and and I should say it hasn't been the last couple of years, but Tim Turk uh, Turkey. Uh, has has worked with the shooters, uh, been there as a skills coach to work with the shooters. These guys work with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Montreal Canadiens over the years, uh, as well as you know, just a, a long list of NHL players. So he's a, he's been a part of it in the past. Um, and then Dan Boss wasn't there this year. They brought in a new sort of physio. Uh, Brandy Osborne has been there the last couple of years, but Dan Boss is a guy who you know over the years uh, has done a lot of great things in terms of concussion treatment. Um, but also a lot of other soft tissue treatment. I mean, Troy Grossnick tells a story his first year where he comes in and he knows he can't make it through a week without hip pain. Dan checks him out, uh, isolates two issues in his neck tied to previous concussions, goes to work on him, and Grosser doesn't feel that thing in his hip all week. So just the way things are connected. And uh, yeah, it's that's pretty much it. It's a full top to bottom. A friend's wife provides all natural organic meals, um, they arrive breakfast, they work out, they have breakfast, they go on the ice. There's a shake afterwards, everything, everything you need is taken care of, uh, top to bottom. And that's why, that's why you get goalies like Devin Dubnik isn't an alpha agency goaltender. Um, but he comes back every year this year. He wasn't even living in Cologne. He's living in mini, but he came out for the week because that's, that's how good this camp is. That's why you get pro shooters, not all of whom are, are part of alpha. Uh, coming out to take part in this Blake Wheeler there this week um, or this summer, the the week this summer. So uh, I think you attract the best by having the best and they make sure that these guys have access to the best while they're there. Net 360 seems to be the appropriate name. Uh, you One thing that you did forget about uh, in that, in running down that list of names, uh, who, who are the ice resurfacers who, who drives the machines? <laughs> That would be the staff. That would be the staff at the West Kelowna Jim Lind Arena. Um, it tends to change from year to year. You guys can, you guys can both suck it. Frankly, uh, you know what the best part is Hutch. Uh, it's it's thirty episodes, but Hutch is finally getting my sense of humor. Yeah. So uh, yeah. so it's, he, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I knew where good. that was going to, but bite me. Uh, presented by thehockeyshop.com. Here is Ingle Radio's. Dave Hutchison, in conversation with agent Ray Petkow and the head of player development, Adam Francilia. They are the Alpha Hockey Group and co-founders of Net360. We're sitting in beautiful Kelowna, and uh, even though we're in the basement of the arena, it's one of the nicest summers we've seen here. It was fantastic to be out there today. Appreciate you having us here, guys. Um, We're at the Net360 camp, and it's an interesting collaboration between the two of you, uh, Net360, and uh, Alpha Sports as well. So uh, Ray Petko, Adam Francilia, can you uh, maybe tell us a little bit, Ray, about uh, about what we're doing here and what the camp's about? And In a nutshell, it's goaltender development uh, primarily, but it's turned into much more than that because now we're working a lot with the skaters, the shooters on the guys as well. So 
Um, development never stops for anyone in, in the NHL. You're always striving to be better. So that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And what about the collaboration between the two of you and how, how has that come together? Well, I think that, you know, we, we've been working together in some capacity for oh, about a decade now. And, uh, you know, Oh, our, geez, it feels like 20 years. Well, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 about my, like 30. I'm at my wits end. Yeah. It feels like 30. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, we've, the, as the years have gone by, we've seemed to have collaborated on, you know, more and more things, obviously, you know, my business, um, streamlines so well into what Ray's doing and, uh, we collaborate on, you know, within alpha hockey. And, you know, this was a vision that we both had, you know, Ray really, uh, was very passionate about, you know, sharing, you know, his thoughts for that vision, uh, early on. And, uh, you know, we wanted to do something different and that's a, you know, that's a cliche. Everybody wants to do something different, but, you know, and I think in essence, I mean, net 360 is, it's a think tank as much as it is a goalie camp, you know, it's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. has, has a different feel, you know, the, the coaches that we bring in, we bring in specifically, uh, for, their expertise in a certain in a certain capacity and you know the encouragement is to dialogue with the goalies you know obviously particularly the the pro level you know giving these guys credit you know they're at, where they're at for a reason they have as much wisdom that they can pour into us as you know as coaches we can pour into them it's a, it's a very reciprocated relationship you know we slow things down. We're not just in there. We're not just getting repetition after repetition after repetition. You know, we're intentional about what we do and, and it's, you know, we're comfortable, you know, you know, breaking into dialogue for 10 minutes on the ice. Whereas a lot of camps, you know, it's, you know, the ice time is time is money. Let's get in there. Let's get in there. Let's get in there. And I think when you're operating at that high level where, you know, all of our goalies in the top level are either, you know, regular NHLers or, or have played, you know, um, a few NHL games and they're on their way to being there, you know, that you have to, you have to operate at a different level to try to find improvement in that top level. You're, you're finding one and two percentage points and that has to happen at a different way than it would say with a younger, you know, you know, potentially a younger age group where there is a certain benefit to, you know, repetition after repetition with some discussion, but you know, you're imprinting something at a different age. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And we, you know, we try to, we try to, you know, do something better every year. We try to get a little smarter at it. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time collaborating during the year, getting ready for this thing too. So dozens, dozens of hours. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But maybe think, hundreds of no, hours. I think there's dozens of hours in one week, I think, yeah, that yeah, will lead right. up to it. So, yeah. Well, collaboration yeah, yeah. really seems to be a theme, both yeah. between the two of you who are mm-hmm. very different roles, but come mm-hmm. together for Alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see it on the ice between the coaches and the goaltenders, if you are, as you've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would argue with between the shooters and the goaltenders as well. Yeah, sure. uh, You don't too often really see a goaltender reach out to a shooter in a drill and say, right. what, what did you see there? What were you trying to do? Right. Um, yeah, we encourage that. Um, from the, the first time we had the camp, we, we of course, had some skills coaches uh, in camp numerous times, and, and it's something we'll do again. Um, we really encourage the, the communication, collaboration between shooters, goaltenders, coaches. Everyone, everyone can help everyone else be better. Um, new ideas, and sometimes it's learning what not to do as opposed to what to do. But, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty unique that way. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also when you think about it, you know, I'm in a, in a setting like this, really it's, it's deconstructing a model, you know, so it's, it's, it's constantly a chess game. Go, the goaltending world makes a modification. They get a little bit ahead mm -hmm. of the so shooters. True. The shooters have to deconstruct that model and then they have to, it's a, it's a chess match. So then they play the next piece and they get ahead of the goalies. And so this is kind of a fun thing where we're sort of on neutral ground in essence, because those shooters and those goalies can actually talk about how a shooter sees, you know, how a shooter sees his ability to deconstruct the model that we're trying to create with goaltenders, whether that's what are the strengths in a, in a current concept, you know, that the, that the goalies are working on. And then from a shooter's point of view, you know, the goalies can ask, okay, well, what do you see when we're doing this? You know, we're always trying to find holes in each other's armor. And, uh, and so it's fun that way. And, you know, it gets, it gets fairly, it gets fairly creative out there mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Rising tide floats all boats too. That's correct. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So within the partnership, Ray being the agent is, is your main role really in running the agency and supporting right. the players. Yeah. Um, I think people have a general concept for what an agent does, but what would, uh, what would surprise people about what you do in your role? Oh, I don't think I'm like, uh, well, I, I'm positive. I'm not like, uh, the typical agent just because I do enjoy the development. The, I, I love getting on the ice. I love getting in the gym. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't coach. I, I don't pretend to be a coach, but I, I want to know as much as I can uh, know about the position, whether it's goaltending forwards, defensemen. I just want to know about the game. I want to know how to help these guys and, and just the, the knowledge that I can gain on the ice and in the gym with world-class trainers and goal to, uh, goalie coaches or skills coaches. Uh, it just helps me understand the, the players better, how to support them. Um, I'm maybe a, a bit of a liaison at times between coaches and, and players. And um, so and it's... you mean that not in here at the camp, you uh, mean in the greater I, year. Yeah, it can yeah. be, it could be here, maybe more importantly during the season or actually both are important. Um, I just, I really enjoy that part of it. And, and I think I can do a better job representing my clients if I know uh, more intimate details about the game and their position and, and, and their situation on each team as well. So it's not a guessing game. No. And so, the, so you're, I guess, supporting them as much sort of intellectually, emotionally within the game. Is that fair to say? Sure. And yeah. it's not just a business uh, angle for myself. Uh, of course, that's very important. But I don't believe that's the, the most complicated part of it. I think all players want to become the best they can be. And the business side of it, there's a lot of very good agents in, in hockey. Um, there's just very few who maybe take it to the next level. I'm not saying it's, it's the right thing for everybody. It's just right for myself and the clients that we have. They, they value that. And, and if somebody doesn't see a benefit to that, maybe that's not the right fit. Um, so yeah, I, I just, and it's a passion of mine. I love the game. I love, I love to learn. I want to do the best that I can. And I feel like that's a value added uh, part of, of what I can do. And I don't think there's any other agents in, in the business who are as involved with the development of, of the players. And it helps to create a long-term plan, which I, I really love doing. Adam and I collaborate a ton. We, we look at so many details of where the player is today and where we want to get them to. And 
communicate communicate with the player as well as the team. Give me an example what that would look like. I mean, we don't need to name names, but mm-hmm. goaltender X. What would you? What would a long term plan look like? Um, it's we look at what they need to improve on, uh, both on and off the ice in the gym. A lot of it, if not all of it, maybe starts in in the gym and the with with Adam and and uh, and it can be the training or the the diet lifestyle. Um, we just kind of look at the big picture for the player and then and and come up with a plan um, short and long term. And and that's that's a lot of hours between Adam and myself. And I don't think any of the guys know how much collaboration there is uh, between us, uh, how how detailed we get. And, and we really do. We sit down a number of times throughout the year, um, whether it's on the road for both of us or, or in one of our home cities and we'll sit down with notepads and, and we'll go through the list of guys and we, we just go through it with a fine tooth comb looking for ways that we can help them improve. Collaboration being the key again, you're obviously having to talk to them. You're having to talk to their coaches with the regular team. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing getting feedback here this week as well from the coaches you've got. Oh, in. Yeah. 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 Every day. And then, we kind of decompress a little bit at the end of it. And then we, we connect on the phone emails. We get some reports on each goalie that was here, each shooter that was here. Um, goalies are evaluating us. Coaches are evaluating us, each other. There's, there's a lot of information that we try to get out of a week like this because you, you really appreciate the, the types of players, goalies and, and skaters and coaches that are here. So let's learn from each other, try to be better every year. I get the sense, Adam, that uh, sort of typical summer for a junior hockey player is 70% of their time in the weight room and then a bunch of scrimmaging with their buddies. Mm. Um, you've got a different approach. And we yeah. talked to Eric Comrie on the podcast and, mm. and a guy who's a real rink rat right. told us that when he started working with you, uh, that meant a lot of time away from the ice to begin his off season. So sure. what's different about how you work with guys and what we normally see. And, and I'm, that's not to knock another trainer. I think too oh, many sure. guys don't have anybody they work with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me personally, I mean, having been in this industry for over 20 years, you know, you've, you've, I've been through a lot of ebbs and flows of the evolution of, you know, the hockey athlete. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it's really important to stay current. I spend a lot of my time during the season, uh, learning from other experts. And, you know, we have quite a, quite a web of experts you know we've, we've brought a number in here whether it's therapists or coaches you know and, and sort of i think you know a preface to that answer of how we how i train and develop players kind of goes back to that what ray was alluding to with with the plan so when we look at a player you know and we decide what his plan is we look at it from a number of levels so we look at it from his individual physiological structure you know, what are the deficits? What are the things we have to work on? And that's a very long-term view because we could be talking about a player who's 18 or 19 years old or even younger and seeing what, what physiological or neuromuscular hiccups there are in his particular movement patterns or his, or his game. So reprogramming some of that stuff takes a long time. Then obviously there's a physiological development, but you know, what does that mean? I mean, you know, the, the word strength and conditioning is such a overused term. What does that really, really mean? Particularly if we're talking about how it lends itself to goaltending, you know, goaltending, I've said it for years, goaltending is a different sport. They're just on the ice at the same time. And so by mm-hmm. elevating 
that position for, well, this week in particular, this is sort of our pinnacle piece of our, of our yearly calendar for development. But by elevating that position in the consciousness of what we both do, and then seeking out, you know, experts in whether it's, you know, different experts, uh, therapeutic experts that we kind of weave into our web and then getting to know the goalie coach for that team that the, the player plays mm-hmm. for, but also the goalie coach that maybe that goalie works with in the off season. So those are all very key people. And, and I think one of the things that definitely sets, you know, Ray apart uh, in, in, as an agent is his understanding of the goaltending position. And as far as what I do, that's the, one of the things that I feel, you know, has set me apart is, you know, taking such an interest for such a long time in the position, not just the biomechanics of the position, but also the technical knowledge of the current concepts of goaltending, right? So if, if we don't, if we don't as, a, as a strength and conditioning coach or a trainer, if we don't understand how goaltenders are being asked to play, how can we effectively strengthen them? In Eric's case or in any goaltender's case, when we get to the end of the season and, you know, I, I look, I watch these guys play all the time. I'm able to watch their video. Um, the only way that we can actually make wholesale change is to remove the very thing that they repetitiously do that we see the errors in. So right. if a goaltender is played all year and we identify, you know, without getting specific, sure. certain areas where we need to repattern that. Now, whether it's something neurological where, say, you know, moving from the top of the crease to the left post, we see a neurological deficiency because, you know, there's a, there's a misfire of a certain musculature as opposed to from the top of the crease to the right post where, wow, he's really strong, everything's dialed. The only way we're going to be able to repattern that is to get him off the ice because if we don't do that, there's not a gap in time that we can remove him from where he's creating the errors to download the correct information, turn it back on, strengthen that pattern, gain the, gain the range, make it dynamic, and only when we're comfortable that that new brain angram has been sort of downloaded into the computer, do we want to have that goalie re-engage on the ice or else we're just doing, you know, bad repetition after bad repetition. And it's, and again, at this level, uh, it's even more important because they have completed probably hundreds of thousands of repetitions with that hiccup. Right. The old practice makes permanent, not practice makes perfect. That's right. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's a big reason for me to, you know, depending on what our, our goal is for the summer is to have some of these guys stay off the ice. Let's make the corrections outside of the, outside of the game. And then when we feel like it's the right time to integrate that back in, then we do it. But then we don't do it haphazardly. We get on the ice. You know, that's what, what I do when I'm on the ice is a biomechanics session. So I work on the biomechanics with the goalie. Because by, by now, after all these years, I can kind of see through the gear to what the body's doing. Because goaltending equipment hides like a whole bunch of sins. Yeah, it's hard for you. I, I mean, I was watching you working with these guys. And like, what, how are you noticing this half a degree change in somebody through all that gear? Right. Just, you know, years and years of doing it, you kind of just sort of get that x-ray vision. But we can't just say, okay, well, it looked good in the gym. We fixed it, you know, whether it was a latent, like, glute on the left side okay it's working in the gym we got it dynamic but now let's put on the ice we got to make sure that repatterning is 
is sufficient on the ice and then we can you know we can do that so that for eric and others like him that wise it was really important to uh to get him off the ice and make those make a, a few changes that we needed to yeah no interesting i can tell we're going to have an hour and a half long podcast just with you talking about goaltenders one day oh that, that's mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. i'd um, be more than happy to do that <laughs> or, or probably and uh, if kevin's here it would turn into three or four hours i was gonna so, say yeah. i think an hour and a half was conservative yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just one of kevin's questions yeah. yeah he also brings a case of beer probably perfect <laughs> well that was that was the best part about glenn hall taking <laughs> yeah. a break in mid-interview nice. um ray we're, we're talking a lot about the pros here but we've got a couple of groups on the ice so mm-hmm. Uh, how how young is the youngest kid you're working with here? Uh, the youngest kid is 15 years old. 15. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had a 15 year old in a few years. It's been a couple uh, of years. Yeah. Usually, it's in that 17 year old range. Right. So so let's take it to the to the younger kids. Um, your role as an agent. When does a, a a younger goalie start working with an agent, and when should they worry about that? Well, they shouldn't worry about it. Perfect. Um, yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, you should uh, at some point, young players need advice. Yeah. Um, I, my approach is a little different. Um, I, I'll use this as an example. Um, I don't go out and scout Bantam goalies mm-hmm. or Bantam players. I don't, I don't really watch a lot of Bantam hockey. Uh, most agencies are out there recruiting as many Bantam players as they can. Yeah. Uh, I know some of them are out there even earlier. Uh, it's up to them to do that. I don't think, I don't think it's really great for the game, um, but they need advice and they need to, they need to get that advice somewhere. So I understand that part of it as well. Uh, I just, I feel like um, as, as a goalie or a player gets to the point where uh, some of the junior level teams are looking at them and they have to make that decision between college hockey and, and major junior hockey for the Canadian players mostly, that's something that everyone needs some advice, uh, just how to deal with that. And, and, but, but even there, I would advise in most cases, just take your time every option available to you as long as possible. And I see a lot of players, they get drafted, their their Bantam draft year, and within a week or two, they're signing contracts in the mm-hmm. Western Hockey League or OHL or wherever it may be. And I just, I don't understand that. I've never advised to do that because you don't know if there could be a season-ending injury, you could, you could change your mind later on, and you can't play for at least a year anyway. Why and and we, should, and we should clarify, you've got a dual role here. I mean, you're a player agent for some people, but you're a family advisor, advisor for others. others right? Yeah, and it's only because... Can you just describe the difference for us? Sure. The NCAA players or players who, wanna, who want to uh, maintain that the eligibility for NCAA, they cannot have an agent, but they can have an advisor who is an agent. Right. Um, it's just a little quirky rule that the NCAA has. And, and, and do they have uh, to they pay, pay you in that, that, in that case? case? The, now they do. Uh, that changed in the last decade or so. There's there's a bit of a change of that. Um, it just there's a lot of misunderstandings in um, in hockey as well about that. But yes, you you cannot receive anything from an agency from a professional team if you want to maintain that NCAA eligibility. So they have to pay um, for any services. So, so you're, you're, you, start you start working with somebody, somebody at the 14, 14 15, 15 range, range. typically? Uh, typically or oh, no, not, not, typically. not myself. No. Uh, that's typical in the business, yeah. but I just don't, I don't like that. I feel like we need to see more, more time um, at, at 14. Uh, so many kids haven't reached the level where they will be, obviously. I mean, nobody has at mm-hmm. that age. Mm-hmm. It's just too difficult. Um, and honestly, I, I, don't, I don't really want to babysit. Right. It, it's uh, the, 
it's a difficult business. You get more misses than hits if you recruit very young players. And I'd rather have players at a later age when I know a little bit more about the character and the personality and, and um, even if they're maybe not elite, cause I'll miss a lot of the elite players because I don't recruit yep. 14 year olds. I'll miss out on those, those players. That's okay. Because I feel like the, uh, the, the group that we have, um, we can make up for some of that with, with the players who have top notch character. And, and the work ethic. And you see that a little bit later at 13 or 14. You just don't know what they're like in two or three years when they're entering hockey. Sort of goes back to almost the philosophy of the whole camp as you're talking about character, back to collaboration and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that, uh, I mean, I, I'd love to, getting elite young players is easier. It's easier to develop then than getting young players who maybe are considered to be projects. Right. right? But uh, we have a pretty good batting average with some of the projects mm. and um... I think I think you know when you look at players of that age that you know that 13 14 year old level that age group I think that my recommendation is you know just focus on development you know focus on development turn your attention your energies to things that are tangibly attainable you know uh, things that you can control things that you can you can see change in uh, when, when too many young guys and families try to get involved at too young of an age to get representation, all of a sudden kind of the monster grows an extra head. You know, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to get to the level that, you know, ability wise and development wise and everything that's going to get you, you know, to the next level, quote unquote. But I think once you get into something uh, too young that, you know, the, where there's agency and everything, I just feel like at times it just adds an unnecessary level of, you know, anxiety to a family, a player. Uh, you know, I, I think it's easy for us to say on this end of uh, end of the end of the end of the rope, right? Where, oh, for sure. you know, yeah. a, a family with a player who they, you know, they feel has some potential, you know, that's it, typically they're going through it in real time. Uh, but my advice always is to try to keep the outside things quiet. And just work on becoming the best possible version of, you know, yourself and, and, you know, you as a person and you as an athlete as you can. And if you do that and you pour your energies into that, which again is something you can control, the other part of it will typically take care of itself. There are so many scouts and so many agents out yeah. there. If you are good enough to make it, then you will get noticed. And I think kids worry about that at far too young of an age. Oh, and it's a whole industry to help them worry about it. It seems, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Um, so so maybe a little older than that. H how about your side of things, though, away from the ice or or on the ice? Because you develop. How young do you work with uh, athletes? Well, typically, right now, currently, I would say my youngest athlete is probably not that young. Uh, probably twenty. 21 really yeah oh yeah yeah because we've in talked the past, to others much who younger i yeah. mean yeah maria mountain we've had on yeah. here before and she won't touch anybody before they're 14 yeah uh, yeah just doesn't think they're ready to to do that sort of work and just right. go out and play multiple sports Is yeah that similar sort of advice or just happens to be your business that you no i no i would agree with that i think that um 
I have certainly worked with younger. It's sort of like, you know, where, where Ray's at right now, you know, he happens to have a bit of a, you know, his youngest is his youngest player is, you know, is not 14 or 15. I think the youngest player you represent is probably 17, 18, you know, type thing. So I think it's just sort of where we are currently and where I am Mm -hmm. currently, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a pretty good stable of, you know, really good professional, you know, because I work with obviously skaters and goaltenders. Yep. Yep. Uh, for me, it's more of, you know, just a, an ability to use your time. And uh, I just don't want to get spread too thin uh, because what I, what I do is fairly unique. It's, it's a year round program. So I work with my players 12 months of the year uh, and the level of service is pretty dedicated. You know, we're, I'm talking to these guys daily throughout the whole year, if not multiple times a week. And the oversight I try to have to help these guys through different phases of their year is We haven't even mentioned there's a nutrition side to the business too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's the development is it's, it's mental, emotional, uh, which is, you know, you, we could do a whole podcast on just the mental, emotional side and how that affects, how that actually manifests itself physically into a player's game and how he handles different situations. Sometimes you have to peel that right back yeah, to childhood. Really, yeah. Really. Right. Yeah. 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 We've yeah. done that on a number of occasions with, with players. Yeah. yeah. Well, even a, even a, everybody's response to pain is reflected back to something early in their childhood. So you, you know, the three of us sitting in this room could experience this, the same level of pain stimulus, but we could all comprehend it in completely different ways. And you, when you think about that, that's a very powerful thing. And, and to try to address that with a player, especially as they get a bit older, sometimes you have to dig through a lot of layers. You have to have a really deep relationship and you have to, you have to be down a few layers of the onion to be able to address that, that with the player. And, yeah. and then that's not just pain perception. That gets down to how they can apply themselves on the ice, how they can work in practice. Sure. How they, how they see winning and losing, victory and defeat, how they, just how they, what their definition, how that, the definition kind of transcends to the emotional level for a lot of players. Uh, and so that's a very, it's an incredibly powerful and, and uh, I think very undervalued area of development that we, we miss in a lot of players. So uh, I spend a tremendous amount of time doing that as does Ray. And uh, that's a very, it's a, quite an interpersonal part of the development model that you we don't typically think of for a long time to get there. Sure. To earn that you trust. Bet. You bet. Yeah. So that's three different podcasts we have to do at some Yeah. Point. This has been a rabbit trail conversation <laughs> so far. Um, so, it, so it won't keep you guys too much longer, but, but I did say I'd love to have a takeaway and whether that's for a young goaltender or a, mm. a beer league goaltender, even sure. um, what, what can they be doing? What are the, what's a typical deficit you see in a younger goaltender and then what should they be doing to work on it? Well, First of all, I think that, uh, especially in a young goaltender, I would really encourage um, developing overall athleticism, uh, multilateral sports, um, you know, sports that you like soccer that are, are lower body uh, dominant and uh, sports like volleyball or baseball that are upper body dominant. Uh, so I think, you know, that's very, very important. But, you know, a well-balanced athlete, um, especially mentally, uh, the, the athletic IQ of someone I find is always higher when they play multiple sports or even just multiple hobbies. You don't have to do something at a tremendously competitive level, even if it's for enjoyment, which I would, you know, 
I, I really encourage. Hopes they all are. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and, but even just for something, you know, like, you know, like a high school intramural volleyball team or something like that. When you think about sports like that, you know, a player who's playing at a high level of hockey, whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's a bantam level or, or, you know, an elite level bantam player where that's going to be their primary competitive focus. If they can get involved in something like an intramurals where really there's really no, you know, there's, there's competition, but right. it's, it's just enjoyable. Less pressure. Absolutely. The environment is completely different. I think that you're willing to delve into your toolbox of what you're athletically capable of sometimes in an event where there's less pressure. If that makes sense. Make when, all the sense in the world. When yeah. you're, when you're, when you can try things. Exactly. Where you realize, you know, or, you know, perceived or real when the consequences to you trying something aren't, you know, potentially catastrophic in your mind, even if they're not really, you know, in, in, in reality, getting involved in something that's fun, you will expand your athletic potential beyond what you will when it, whatever you're, whatever you're involved in is rigidly structured at an elite level where the plus or minus for error is very small. So that's one thing I would say is very important for a young athlete. There's a great takeaway for coaches though, too, because at the Adam and Pee Wee level, and I might even argue at the Bantam level until you're looking to get drafted, it does it really matter? Can we not just go out there and have fun and, and work on developing our skills? Well, how many great players in the past and even now, you know, said they grew up on, a, on the pond playing shinny with no parents around, thank goodness, with no coaches around, thank goodness, just the players and they would try new stuff. And, you know, that, that's, that's something that when I look at, when I look at, you know, using an example of a Thomas Grice, well, you know, probably one of the most entertaining oh, goalies to watch. Yeah. Love watching Thomas. Right? We have so, told a lot of stories about what we get to see here about him. It's yeah, so fun. Right. Yeah. And, and you look at a guy like that play, and I mean, he, he stopped a shootout. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was, a, it was a save to win the game on a shootout. And he stood there straight up. He did. And, and he stood and he put his heels together. And uh, you probably remember who that was, Ray. Do you remember who that was? Chris Letang. Chris oh, Letang. Okay. Yeah, Chris Letang. Right? Not a bad player. And not he, bad. It was, and it was to win the game, was it? It was not? to win the game. That was the winning save. And that ties back to something we've told on the podcast before that we saw here. Two, I think three years ago when you were doing the little breakaway drill on the yeah. other sheet yep. yeah. and he refused to go down and, and won he won the whole thing. And he, he won, won the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, the guys talk about it every year. Every year, everybody's chatting about it for, you know, you hear it three, four yeah. times during the summer. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's obviously just kind of one example, but yeah. you know, Thomas is a guy who has a, who growing up and in, in continued through his professional career, he has a lot of outside athletic interests mm -hmm. that he does for enjoyment and it keeps him creative and to have the gumption to do something like that it wasn't you know it wasn't an amazing sort of Cirque du Soleil outside of the box move but just to have the presence of mind to be willing to do that shows yeah. you that he's mentally and emotionally during a game he's willing to dive into that box and just use whatever tool it takes to make a save. And I think that's an undervalued quality these days. I agree. Yeah. We talk about that. And, and we, we, we the, don't, we're not trying to create robots. Right. Yeah. And the, the shooters here at, at uh, Net360 sometimes talk about how Thomas Grice is so, so difficult to read. Yes. He, 
because he's he's very unpredictable. And we often talk about how goaltenders have become robots. And right. Now finally, right. the shooters have grown up watching he, it. Yeah, that's right. He's not a cookie cutter goalie. No. He, he's unique, and I love watching that. But we need more mentally more to be able to like. do that because he was sharing the net throughout the season. Yeah. And if yeah. if a coach didn't appreciate what he tried there, if right. the puck had gone mm-hmm. in, he might not have seen the net for a while. Thomas is his own person, yeah, though. That's, yeah. that's what I respect. Like, that's a, a real compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, he plays Devin Dubnik. Look at look at how oh, many unorthodox. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. in an average season who does more pad stacks than Devin Dubnik. <laughs> Gotta appreciate the pad stacks. And you, but he, but the thing is, as a goalie, again, it's always a chess match. So instead of instead of insisting on wedging our young goaltenders into a into a into a cookie cutter philosophy or whatever it is that you think about it, the more rigid the system that the goaltender is forced into, the easier it is going to be for a player to deconstruct that model. Absolutely. So yeah. then you get a guy who's willing to, you know, a guy who's six, six. No, that's imp- Devin Dubnik's athleticism is extremely underappreciated mm-hmm. for a guy who's six, six, he can move his body fluidly in some tremendous ways. And, to be able to pad stack, and he usually he'll he'll usually make that save. You know, you, you, nobody's teaching nobody's teaching that in a goalie school. Is that something you can notice when they're off ice about him physically? Yeah, he's he's actually an incredibly fast learner. He's an intelligent guy. He's an incredibly fast learner, and he's very he's very methodical in his approach to learning something new that we'll do off ice, even something that we do on ice, like the biomechanics. He's very methodical in, he'll, he'll take in the information. He has a very quick absorption to performance rate. Um, and that's one thing that's really impressive about, uh, about Dubes. But um, yeah, he's able to, you know, he, he, can, he can go into that bag of tricks during a game and he can pull out some things that are very unorthodox. And I think that's an advantage for a goalie because the player going down goes, boy, I would have never, you know, how's anybody going to guess you're going to do something unorthodox mm-hmm. as that? It's a, it's a real tool. And I, I really hope that uh, as we see young goaltenders develop, that they are allowed to have at least times in practice or in their, you know, whether it's a, maybe not necessarily a goaltending session, but even moments within that where they can learn to become creative, you know, and, and somebody that neither one of us work with, but look at it, how many times Marc-Andre Fleury has reinvented himself through wow, his career. Yeah, yeah. He impresses me so much and in so many ways but look at how many tools that flower has in his toolbox that he can pull out at will and he's mastered timing of those things as well perfect so i really appreciate all that and i think we we cannot let that go in our young goaltending development i think we have to teach them to battle but we also have to teach them to stay balanced as long as possible before they dig into that toolkit for sure there's a mastery of that too don't you Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah there's a there's a mastery of you know, learning how to pull the, pull the different tools out of the toolbox. But at the same time, I mean, we have to let these kids have fun. You know, there's enough. So that sort of gets back to my whole thing about allow, allow your kids to play multiple sports, but make darn sure that a handful of those sports are not at the elite competitive level. Make sure they're fun because you will allow them to, to expand their, you know, athletic toolbox because the, the consequences of win, lose, mistake, not mistake are, are nil or, or minimal at best. And let's try and take some of those consequences away from the high level athletes too. So they can sure. experiment. Yeah. You bet. Fantastic. You bet. 
Uh, okay, Ray said we'd need to take away from you as well. So um, what are your thoughts for your, for young goaltenders? Well, you asked you asked before about um, when an, when it, when a goalie or an athlete, a hockey player, needs an agent. Um, I just want to elaborate on that a little bit more, perfect. Yeah. Uh, because the like I said, they they need advice. Um, I think ideally they would all have a coach or um, you know maybe maybe a friend's dad who played at a high level at the very young age where they can get some of that information from someone they trust. And then start talking to to people like myself in the business, maybe. Um, but I think for most players, it it would be better to delay that decision a little mm-hmm. bit, so you get to know uh, at least a few different agents, or or just a little bit at least, get a few touches with a few different groups or or individuals, and and because uh, um, there's a lot of agencies that are recruiting very very hard. Um, they they have a, they do a real good sell job, and and many of them are good at what they do. But too many times I'll talk to a 17-year-old hockey player looking to switch agents. And that to me means they made a decision way too soon. Why, why are you now looking to switch? You should be building relationships that last for the career, ideally. So, so quick question while you're talking about that. When, when somebody does agree to work with you, mm-hmm. uh, are they locking themselves in for a time frame or is there an out well, that they can do this? Or? There, it depends. Um, the reputable agents are really not allowed to do that. We, okay. we can't. We're, uh, I'm an NHLPA certified agent. I, I abide by the rules. Um, and uh, the contracts that you sign with these players are uh, joined with the the NHL contract that they eventually sign. So there, there's a lot of switching uh, between agents until a player signs an NHL contract, and it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a dirty part of the business. I don't I don't like it. It happens to to every agent um, has players who leave for various reasons, but especially if they're getting in too young. Um, so, so you, I mean, you mentioned they should be asking some questions and talking yeah, to lots. Yeah. What are what are some good questions for a young goaltender or player to ask when, when oh, they are being recruited? It depends on the situation, of course. But um, one of the, the things, yeah, development for us that that's the key, right? And that's I really enjoy that part of it. Um, a great athlete coming and and wanting to continue to develop. Um, but as far as like the business end of it, contracts and things like that, um, if you're with an agent who has, say you're, you're a Bantam player. And again, typically I don't go after those guys. There's mm-hmm. some exceptions where, and usually they're, they're coming to, to me in those cases, but, uh, not always. Um, if an agent has 15 players, the same age, same position for this, for one draft, Who's he going to bat for? Right. It, he's, he's working for all of them a little bit, but I'd rather work for one or two a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, we're small by design. Um, it, it's, and some, some of the groups are, are really good at just kind of hiding the fact that they have sometimes hundreds of players that they there's represent. Several agents within an agency. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, and that's okay. They, they, it's not like one agent has hundreds of players, but the agency and 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 I hear often when players come to us at a at a older age, maybe seventeen or eighteen after they've been with an agency, they just feel like they don't have they don't get attention, um, especially when things are tough. the The agencies often just won't do a whole lot because they can't do a whole lot. They're not designed to help guys through tough times. They're 
Their business model is more um, large quantities as opposed to making sure that they're getting quality. Mm-hmm. And they can't do much to affect the quality of the guys that they have because they're not focused on the development. Turning into Woodley here, one last question. Sure. Um, mm. You mentioned going to bat for them, and I can totally see that at the NHL level. If you were working with a younger kid, is there anything you can do to help them when the WHL or OHL draft comes up? Can you go to bat for them? With scouts and, and teams? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, that comes back to relationships within the game. So if you have no experience in, in the game as a coach, a, a GM, a scout, an agent, uh, there's really, who's going to listen to you? Right. So it takes time to do that. It's, it's, uh, I've been in the business now going on uh, this old, it's 19 or 20 years right. now. Um, so I was, I, I scouted before and, and, uh, n- number of years now, um, as an agent, um, so you have, you have your contacts and you have your trusted GMs and scouts. So yeah, I, I can go to bat for them. I can, I can, uh, advocate on their behalf. And, and of course that's our job for the draft, whether it's Bantam or, or NHL. Um, but, uh, ultimately you can't get them drafted. No. They, they have to do the work. You're just there to support them. And, and, uh, and, but, but it's my job to make sure that everyone knows that they are putting in the work. And if there's little things that they maybe don't see on the surface, a scout or a GM may not see a specific thing in a player on the surface, it's my job to make sure that they know the, the details behind, maybe there's, there's a couple of, um, things going on personally and, and maybe there's a delay in development for a specific reason. Um, they're drafting the draft is always a projection. It's not where they are today, but it's where they're going to be. And, and so you do the best you can to relay the information that you have so they can make the accurate choice or the, the best choice. I've got a thousand more questions, but I'm going to stop I bet right you do. there. What's, uh, what's the rest of the week look like for the camp? Oh, we've just completed day three. Um, Ray and I are slightly worried because things have gone far too smoothly. <laughs> uh, You've done this for a while now. We're, yeah, I guess yeah, this, is our, this is our sixth yeah. uh, Net360, so yeah. I guess we should be getting a little bit better at it. But uh, a, great, uh, a great first three days. I would say probably the smoothest first three days we've had. Uh, so. You know, again, tomorrow the, the goaltenders all get to work with uh, a different coach, um, different, mm-hmm. different voice, a different, different set of expert eyes. Um, and then Friday, we, we usually do things a little different. We'll mix things up. We'll, we'll change some pairings that have been together all week, typically based on where we feel, because we, we have four pairings and we have five days. So when we get to the fifth day, there's a day where we typically place those pairings or those individual goalies with a with a coach that offers an expertise that we feel uh that goaltender particularly needs so uh, it's kind of a nice way for us to just get a kind of an and one you know uh um, on something we feel like there's maybe a deficiency in and then you've got the the pros and juniors coming together for a little mentorship there too you bet yeah yeah, you bet that's always a fun thing yeah we have a fun time with that we get creative in how we're going to do it. it's typically Mm -hmm. an on ice thing but our pros are so incredibly gracious, the, 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 not just the pro goaltenders, but our pro shooters that we yeah, have they're great. are incredibly gracious yep. with our, uh, our younger guys. And so that's always a, a really neat time. Eh? Yeah. 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 We'll have a, 
probably well we'll be doing a shootout again so we we make two teams four pros and uh four juniors uh on each side and and uh both the pros and junior shooters on them as well so it'll it'll be a fun time awesome and then we wrap, we wrap the whole thing up on friday with a nice uh dinner cruise on the lake excellent and yep. uh that's a great time for everybody just to enjoy the hard work they've put in and talk to each other in a little bit more social setting mm -hmm. and uh for the young guys to be able to to chat with some of the veteran pro guys so it's a it's That's a real special. real nice yeah. way to wrap it up yeah it's it's great gentlemen thank you for joining us and i uh, i look forward to the next time i hope we'll have another absolutely bet, thanks for having thanks. us oh there's there there's a lot in that and uh one of my favorite parts hutch you were turning into woody with with uh, just just one more that was a that was a nice <laughs> touch hutch only, hey, only after ripping Woody halfway through it. Thank you very much. I listened to the interview. It just comes so easily. <laughs> Three oh, hours, that was my the, ass. I would have got done in two and a half. It is that funny that beautiful. I'm the guy of few words until Woody's not there, and suddenly I start filling the vacuum of space with my own words. So I don't know why that okay. is. Well, uh, let's put you uh, into the debrief chair, uh -oh. because this is this is two back to, this is back-to-back -back interviews that you've done. Very, very different. Well, uh, well done interviews. Uh, something that jumped out at me was uh, Ray, uh, Ray Petka, an agent, but he's on the ice during this camp. Mm -hmm. He likes being on the ice with the athletes. That's a that that's that's a new one to me. I guess. I mean, I haven't been around a whole lot of agents, but he's uh, he's absolutely involved. Uh, he he gets into technical conversations with coaches and goaltenders to try and understand the position better. He is uh, occasionally taking a few shots on the goaltenders to see if he can squeak one past somebody. Um, working with a camera so he can get a little bit of stuff out on social for Net360 as well. He's, he's a man of many talents and, and obviously loves what he does. I think the biggest thing to me is, having seen this for now four or five years, is the desire to understand the position at a deeper level so that he can un better understand and support his athletes because when they leave camp, inevitably, this is what happens to a lot of guys. And we've talked with a lot of guys about this. You have your voices in the summer, you have your coaches in the summer, and it's not always the same. The messaging changes um, sometimes significantly when you go off to your NHL team and there's maybe a change in a goaltending coach or a change in a voice, or you change teams and the philosophies are different. And so, Sometimes it's not the smoothest process. And so sometimes you do need someone going to bat for you, understanding your game and what the keys are to it uh, so that management can understand what you're going through and why maybe a transition is or isn't working or how to get everyone on the same page or same voice. These are my words, not his. Um, but I can see where the that benefit of understanding it and being able to explain it and actually fully grasp some of the concepts out there would come in handy as an agent dealing with a team, especially maybe if a situation isn't going well or if there's been a change and being able to communicate uh, effectively and efficiently how that could have a lot of benefit, not just for him, but for his clients. Do you guys know of any other agents that, that do go on the ice? I'm like Hutch. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't, don't go to a lot. a lot of agency camps, Darren. So I'd be lying if you know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be just dismissive I don't, by saying I don't, no, but I, just, but I haven't seen it. 
So uh, many have come from the game. There have to be guys who do, but uh, this does feel like a bit of a unique operation. Uh, the shooters, uh, a lot of conversation about the shooters uh, who are out there. Uh, we've all done goalie schools, uh, whether w- when we were goaltenders coming up through the ranks or I- instructors, and the shooters are generally there just to, okay, we're going to work on the glove. You just shoot the glove five times, you rotate out, that kind of thing. This is, uh, and, and they're, they're kids, they're anybody you can almost get that can raise a puck, uh, uh, truth be told. But this is different. These these shooters come with resumes. Yeah, I Hutch mean, or Woody. Yeah, I was just gonna say the name list of names: Myers, Justin Schultz, Andrew Ladd. Those have been regulars. Blake Wheeler out there this year. Um, you know what it's like, Hutch. You've worked at Eli Wilson goalie camps. He puts a strong emphasis on good shooters as well. If you're a top level goaltender and guys are chucking muffins at you, like at the end of the day, that's that. There's not a lot of benefit there. And to get these shooters, you have to again provide them with all the services they come to expect as as you know high level nhl guys and that's the the treatment that they get off the ice as soon as they leave access to skills coaches things like that it's you know it just again i think you use the term you know rising tide and floating all boats hutch that's what having good shooters does to this camp for sure and they're also out there doing the uh the dry land work with adam as well uh in the in the morning so taking full advantage of the camp the other thing i'd say darren just as you're bringing that up. I, I think it's a bit of a misconception these days for folks that uh, a good goalie school isn't just floating a muffin into a glove predictably anymore. Quite often a drill, even at Net360 or at Eli's camps where we were in the last three weeks, uh, often they will begin with a predictable shot to practice a skill, far side stick shot so that you can put it over the glass, create a rebound in a certain place and so on. But most of the drills, when they're game-like drills, uh, end with an opportunity for the shooters to try and shoot to score. And so having somebody at that level, it's not just that uh, it's a great shooter who can find his spot and shoot with velocity, but it's actually an ability to put a little deception into the game for goaltenders and uh, teach them to deal with things at a higher level as well. Yeah, and that's that, what I, I struggled the most with at the Eli camp was when they started shooting to score. I wasn't used to that. I just wanted them to shoot into my glove. And Eli's like, no, no, we don't do that here. Uh, you got to be able to react <laughs> to situations. And uh, and so, yeah, that's a that's a real transition in, in the industry. Go ahead. Uh, what you- I was just going to say, first first drill, first session that I was on the ice with Net360 this year on Monday morning it was uh, Devin Dubnik and Troy Grosnick were the goalies. The shooters were Tyler Myers, who has not only has a good shot, but he's a smart offensive player. And actually, I've watched that develop at this camp over the years. Tyler Myers, Andrew Ladd, and Blake Wheeler. Like if you're a goalie and those are your three shooters for your drill station that day, um, there was a lot of pinging iron, bar down, by the ear type shot, like just absolute rockets. So it was it was pretty fun to watch. It was also pretty fun to watch. Like Grossnick's got a really good glove, really active glove. And then there's Doobie who's just like, there's it's such an efficient game. And... Wheeler's just letting rockets go from the dot labeled blocker side and Dubnik barely moves just little micro adjustment. Boom, steers the puck into the corner with the blocker. It's, it's, it's definitely for us, I think sort of working the video and and working there over the, over the past number of years. um, It's one of the better environments we get to be a part of, to be on the ice behind those shooters, capturing puck eye video as they're trying to score on these NHL guys, it's been a blast. One of the uh, the final things that I'll bring up is 
the amount of conversation that occurs during the on ice session is contradictory to uh, to a lot of approaches where you do take uh, the the space, even though ice time is at a premium, to dissect things and and talk it out during the present instead of waiting for a classroom session or an on ice session or off ice session uh, to bounce things around. Uh, there's there's a real uh, uh, give and take with with what they're doing with the goaltenders and the instructors. Yeah, it'll either be you know sometimes it'll be when the, your partner's in the net and some of my favorite conversations to eavesdrop over the years Andrew Ladd and Devin Dubnik. So Duby will be in net with Andrew shooting on him and then Devin will come out and take an E and his partner will be in the net for the next set of reps and. Sometimes you'll have an extra shooter you'll rotate through and lad like just watching them. What did you see? Uh, what are you looking for here? Like those conversations back and forth between two and Ray talked about how he's a student of the game and Andrew is too. Um, I, like just being a fly on the wall for those and, and how much goes into it was just awesome. And so you get a lot of that. But then you also get it where they'll pull the group in around the net and whether it's Dubnik or Hellebuck or guys like that, they'll talk about you know, just the general situation, what they're looking for as a goalie in terms of tells from the shooters and vice versa and a real sort of interactive back and forth because the, the ice time's an hour and a half and with two goalies at East Station, like you're not going balls to the wall for a full hour and a half. That's just the reality. So you build in some of this conversation time as a reset and rest time during that hour and a half to make sure when you do get to the reps and the drills, um, nobody's tired. Everybody's able to sort of be on when you've got guys like Wheeler and, and lad, you know, letting go of clap bombs to, to try and score on you. Before we finish up on this guys, uh, I, one thing I didn't get to in the interview and having taken so much time, I quite honestly, that piece just slipped my mind is, is I did want to talk to Ray uh, about a program that he has and, and we will bring him back on to have a more detailed look at it. Um, but, but Ray has been donating, um, dozens of sets of gear to, uh, local minor hockey organizations. He's been doing it, uh, together with a number of the goaltenders he represents. He wants to get gear, uh, into the hands of the youngest goaltenders. So with most of it's aimed at the, uh, the novice, the beginner goaltenders, we can get more people in, uh, loving and enjoying the position. And I think it's fantastic that he's taken that step. Uh, I first found out about it when he actually phoned me out of the blue saying that he was doing some research on beginner goalie gear and he'd read an article on our site about something and thought, oh, well, why even read it? I'll just phone Hutch and find out what's going on. Um, love that he's doing this and and look forward to having Ray back on the show fairly soon so that we can uh, talk more about what he's doing. Yeah, it's called the Net Start Program, just to, to give you a heads up. And he is trying to expand it quite a bit. What I love is that he not only does he do it, but he, he but he involves his guys uh, quite often, whether it's James Reimer when he's back in, in Manitoba uh, for a week this summer, um, or some of the guys that are from smaller communities. He brings them in and, and has them play a role. Connor Hellebuck did one uh, where they come into these small communities. And, and it's not just the gear, which is so huge. We talked about this, right? Like we've seen this too, Hutch, where you go into a rink in a smaller community and you're, and all of a sudden you see these old brown leather pads and you're <laughs> like, what are these 
right? That like, doesn't like, happen anymore. <laughs> Dude, Darren. I haven't seen the leather ones. <laughs> Hutch, two years ago in Summerland, Carrie Price Day. I could not believe. And those were the pads that kids were being asked to wear wow. in novice hockey. And yeah. it was, these things were like straight out of the 80s, maybe even earlier. And you're like, wow, like this. And, and you know, so in smaller communities, this still happens. And so there's a need for this. And so good for Ray and his Net Start program for getting involved to help out. 80s were good. I just saw Def Leppard. They're still going. Uh, they, they, they've stood the test of time. Leather pads haven't. But, uh, Leather but, skin. Uh, the boys uh, The boys have. Uh, yeah, Reimer from Merwina, uh, Ray Peckow from Steinbach. Uh, so both uh, middle province men uh, from Manitoba. So doing some some great work there. Uh, great interview. Uh, time for the In Goal Gear segment and Woody's weekly visit with Cam at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. Talking upper body and the Warrior brand. Woody. Yeah, no, um, it's funny. We, we haven't, we haven't had warrior in a little while hutch here at, uh, in goal. Um, but Hey, uh, we, we've, we've talked to Pete Smith. We're big fans of their work. And interestingly enough, when we first did, uh, the first review on the chest protector, it was the first one with the mechanical arms. Remember hutch mm-hmm. the first ritual and there it's interesting. There was a lot of sort of myths, uh, about what this would be because of the hard plastic and the mechanical arms that it couldn't absorb rebounds. And we used high-speed cameras and kind of showed that, hey, these actually work, that the air gap What do you mean you by absorb. mechanical arms for those that aren't as dialed in as you? I'm trying to think of how you describe it. They are literally like hinge and pulley. The arms sort of have a okay. like a, a mechanical system to them. Well, and they're hard plastic. and Yeah, and Pete told us his original inspiration was just a defenseman shin pads how these guys can have that hard plastic shin pad, take a rocket off the shin and not really feel it. And he thought, gosh, there's got to be something here we can apply to the arms uh, in, in his newest chesty. And that was, gosh, eight years ago, something like that, uh, yep. when, we, and- when we first saw that unit. But as Kevin said, you, had to, you have to add something in that because you don't want to be firing off a giant rebound. So there's a little bit of a shock absorber built in. There has to be a hinge built into it so that you can uh, flex the arm as well, quite unlike a shin pad. Um, yeah, yeah, a little air gap. Yeah, it's and so it's come a long way, and it's interesting. So a lot of the things that you know there were sort of anything that new that different at the time, there was a lot of pushback on it. But it's interesting to me all these years later revisiting it with Cam in the hockey shop. A lot of the things that we said about it in that first review, in terms of the ability to absorb rebounds, um, some of the feedback we got from NHL guys that had tested it, but mostly because there was a little blowback on this um, that the most important thing was that these arms had to fit properly, that the elbows had to line up because of the nature of the style of them. And here we are all these years later. And that's the one thing that Cam stressed as well. You got to make sure you fit the arms first. So uh, they've come a long way, but frankly, I thought they were, they were a really good idea right out of the box. And we had some positive experiences right out of the box. I think I still even have the original ritual uh, collecting a little bit of dust here in the, in the end goal garage. So, um, yeah, it's, it was kind of interesting to catch up with Cam on, on how that far that line's come, how far Warriors come. Uh, a lot of positives there and interesting to see something that was so different when we reviewed it first. Um, now just accepted a lot more, I think, in the goaltending community as something that works. Let's zip out uh, to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, Sorcerer Sports Surrey, the gear segment on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports here in Surrey, British Columbia, the suburbs of Vancouver with Cam Matwiv. We're down in the basement, what I call hockey heaven. 
in the back room today, so I'm surrounded by boxes of pads and gloves and blockers and masks and pretty much everything any goalie could ever want. As I've said before, it is a little slice of goaltending heaven down here. Uh, today, though, we're going to focus particularly on the warrior chest and arms. We've talked about masks the past couple of weeks. Time to talk about protecting the arms, protecting the torso. And Cam is the perfect guy. He's well-versed in the in the warrior line. Uh, to be perfectly honest, we haven't tested at Ingle these past couple of generations. We're kind of the first ritual with the mechanical arm was the last time we were we were in the chest protector. So I'm leaning on you heavily here, buddy. Uh, walk me through some of the innovations, some of the changes. Walk me through the line. Where do we start with uh, with the Warrior Chest Protector? So oh, let's touch on the G4 kind of right out of the bat here with the uh, mechanical arms, so to speak. Um, definitely uh, a long-distant cousin of the first uh, generation chest that you tried on um, as we're on to G4. So uh, Warriors had a, a great opportunity to be able to refine and uh, perfect the design of, again, for lack of a better term, mechanical arms. Um, here with this chest in particular, some of the bigger highlights is them switching up the material that they're actually using in the arms. So their big tagline now is called their hypercomp material. Um, and you'll see this uh, hypercomp material appear throughout the two different lines of pads, um, chest and pants now as well. Um, Basically, what that hypercomp material is, is that their stiff, hard version of uh, their carbon protection, for example. And you can see it called out actually on the arms itself, um, right at the uh, wrist, following all the way up into the bicep. Um, they've covered it with a little bit of nylon just to give it a bit more of a classic look. Um, but other than that, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the new lowdown on the arms in comparison to what, uh, what you saw there. Okay, so how do... I think the one thing when we first tested that original one, and you're right, absolutely, it's, it was a while ago. Um, people were nervous about it because it was so different. Um, because the material was hard on the arms, for example, they worried about pucks ricocheting off it. But frankly, we found in our testing, like as long as the arms fit, um, they, the mobility out of the box was exceptional. They did retain pucks pretty well. Like you could still cradle pucks in the arms and have them sit. I remember we had photos sort of showing the give in there. Um, you know, on the ice with a with a CIS UBC goaltender, sort of showing that, and sort of, you know, again, not just telling you, but sort of showing that you know there really was some feel of this chest protector. And what I like too is the squareness of the arms meant that the pucks that did ricochet off deflected away, as opposed to on a rounded arm, which is why the NHL's gone to mandating rounded arms. Um, you know, a rounded arms more likely to hit it and go through, as opposed to hitting that corner. And ricocheting away from the net. So to me, like going right back to that first generation, as much as it wasn't as widely adopted as maybe some hoped, we liked it. So how does the feel compare as it's evolved with the new materials in the arms? Does it still have that feel in there? A hundred percent. I think you hit the nail on the head, especially with this chest here. And it is adjustable. The arms are laced in, but it has to fit you in the arms. If it doesn't fit in the arms, the mechanical arm won't work properly. And it won't Cause be- it really needs to, it, the elbow needs to be in the elbow. Exactly. Exactly. Or it just won't do what it's supposed to do. Now that said, uh, when you're talking about the rebound qualities and whatnot, yes, it has that same style of an air gap to be able to have that absorption quality to it rather than a deflect and punch. So yeah, you're going to be cradling pucks just as good. And if you're, if you're good at that, with another chesters, you should have no problem with this um, doing the exact same thing. And still squared in the in, in through the biceps, a little more squared. So again, the ones that you don't have an opportunity to cradle, the ones that just hit you, because let's face it, if you're me especially, uh, a lot of pucks just hit you. Uh, it's not about actually making saves. It just hits me. 
Uh, I do like the fact that those are more likely to end up going away rather than going through and in off a rounded chest uh, protector arm. So uh, it looks like they've maintained that. What about through the chest and any in terms of fit and feel and the rest of it, shoulder shoulder flaps? Uh, how's that evolved since we last took a look at the, at their chest protector? It, it still falls along the same lines. Like their backplate is actually very, very reminiscent to, to what you had uh, back in that original ritual one. Um, still just as adjustable. Um, this chest is one of those things where you can really spend 20 minutes kind of dialing it into your own fit. And that's really what Warrior kind of approached the design for. It should be able to, you know, dial in, fit properly, you know, micro adjustments, including the position of the actual shoulder floaters, how they sit on you, whether you want them close to your collarbone, want them a little bit further away, make your head turn a little bit easier loosening it up and allowing you to cross your arms you know little micro adjustments like that that's where you know warrior really shines in actually all of their chest lines for example which is important right i mean we've we've said it before we said it as the nhl adjusted this year to the changes it's the most personal piece of equipment i think we wear as goaltenders so the ability to personalize one particular unit to your preferences seems like a real positive uh to me at least definitely in my opinion it's the hardest piece of equipment to break in the dev- and the one thing I will say that has changed, and obviously goalies, not like I'm breaking any news here, because like you said, the one we tested um, was a long, long time ago now. Um, but the the feedback we got, because that was one that they introduced to NHL guys, and the feedback from several NHL, I remember Chris Mason saying this when he was with the National Predators, love the arms. But the chest protector itself was a little smaller. It didn't fit all that big in that original ritual. It didn't look all that big in the ori- original ritual. They've kind of, they've beefed it up a little bit through the chest, uh, into the shoulders, a little more, like again, the ability to customize the fit and your personal preference, but the profile, the appearance is larger than that original one. It's got a nice sort of, it's got a nice look to it now. Yeah, especially when you get the jersey up and over top, it gives you a, a lot of square pieces as opposed to very rounded. So, you know, you are maximizing your coverage, especially above the shoulders um, and around the shoulders as well. Nice. Okay. Um, what's now? Not every model comes with those. Again, lack of a better term, mechanical arms. Um, walk us through what some of the other options are if if that's not something you want as a goaltender. So the G4 line does trickle down into a senior level chest protector. Um, price point per value, it's a, it's a great option if you're not looking for a pro chest protector and it was not your specific needs. Obviously, no mechanical arms there. Um, and then the line transfers all the way down into a youth. So you cover intermediate, uh, junior, and youth sizing with that as well. Um, but then they also have their other line, and this is new for uh, this year, uh, and that's the RGT2 Pro um, and subsidiary lines after that. Uh, Big update since their last GT model. Um, again, that tagline that we were talking about earlier, that hypercomp material has now found its way into this chest, but it's all underneath their air knit. So there's no mechanical arms here, but you do have the actual hypercomp material throughout the arms, shoulder floaters, and in the body and the sternum plate in particular. Nice. And what change, like, is that, that's the senior model? How do, how do the features change as you move down into options for, for younger kids, for intermediate, for junior in both lines? So you kind of remove that hypercomp material, but one of the things that Warriors done well with this new GT model is they kept the arms really square, whereas the G4 is a little bit more rounded when it comes into the senior models. So he's... Uh, very wide arms, very thick, very protective, and that still kind of carries all the way down throughout their lineup till you get to youth, whereas youth's a bit of a different story. But that all said, this kind of coming together, very mobile out of the box, but still having very, very good size profile to the chest. Um, again, thick arms, very focused on the arm protection, but still able to move them and, you know, 
wave your arm about and whatnot. Definitely one of the things that you, you once you get the chest on, you can really start to feel the movement right out of the box. Um, when you look at it on the wall, you're like, oh, that might be big. But once you get it on, it really is uh, tapered and mobile. So I'd imagine as you go down the line to, to younger kids and intermediate sizes and stuff, again, the mobility is increasingly important, but so is the protection. last thing you want is a kid flinching or nervous or feeling like he's going to feel pucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it sounds like they've managed to find a nice balance there. That's for sure. Especially with the adjustability in those uh, smaller models too as well. That really keeps uh, us the ability to fit it nice and easy on the floor. Perfect. Anything else that we need to go over in the way? I'm leaning on you here, buddy. I said I was leaning (laughs) and I'm leaning hard. I'm uh, a little out to date uh, when it comes to features and how far down the line's uh, we can go with this. Is that pretty much wrapper up for the warrior chest and protector? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, one of those nice things you, you got to come in and try it on, but uh, also too, uh, with there being an RGT2, we do have some uh, GT2 Pros left over from last year. Those are on clear. You can Sale. definitely check those out on the website for sure. Definitely a good option if you're looking to save a little bit, but still looking for a pro chest. Thehockeyshop.com for all those sale last year, last generation items. Make sure you check that out, folks. Definitely. And you can also give me a call at 604-589-8299. He hasn't, he's married now, but he hasn't lost the good radio voice. Okay. That's awesome. Cam, I appreciate that. Actually, one last thing. Might as well, well we got you. Fitting a chest protector. We've talked about it before. Um, what are you looking for? How do you set guys up to make sure how important is pant integration? Like, are we getting, are we playing Mr. Dress up here to get a chest protector fitted properly? Or can you go one step short of that? It depends on how intricate you want it to be. So for me, like my chest and pant connection is very very important so like for example if i was fitting myself i would go that uh, far i'd get a set of pants that's very similar i'd also get a pair of suspenders because i do tuck my chest in make sure it feels and integrates well um every chest kind of operates a little bit differently in that sense and some are a little bit better for tucking in or being left out in front than others now so let's go into the that's what i wanted to ask is some are designed to do both I think almost every chest protector can do both, but some are designed to be one or the other. So is the G4 or the GT2 Pro or either of these models sort of more about tucked in or untucked? Like, do they, is there a preference there that they suit a certain style if you're a guy that likes it tucked or untucked, or do they go both ways? They'll do both and excel at both. Uh, one of the things is they have removable padding, especially on the belly. So if you need that little bit of extra length because you don't tuck it in, leave those extra pads on. You know, if you... Do tuck in and you need it a little bit shorter to integrate better with your pants. You can just rip them on off. So they they do and they have multiple tie down options in terms of for your chest. So it really, really is something you can just play with and dial in. So it'll go, it'll do both and it'll do both great. And integrate well with the warrior pants. Something we haven't talked about before, but, and again, um, something we at Ingle haven't tested in a while. We haven't had material from warrior to test for a while, but uh, we were big fans of the pants. Something we can uh, probably cover in another episode. But they, they, and that's the thing with this sort of a, a good barrel feel and a good sort of inner belt style, I, I would imagine, and an inner seat that, that, that they would be, you'd be able to integrate either way with, with these chest protectors. Correct. Okay. Perfect. Listen, we're going to wrap at that. Cam, thank you very much for your time. Remember, folks, come check them out in person if you have the opportunity. If you're ever in Vancouver, uh, in the lower mainland, we have people that have made trips, whether they're in the area for, tournaments they've made trips out here specifically after hearing it it's worth the trip to come out to surrey to see cam in person at the hockey shop source for sports and if you can't be sure to check them out online at thehockeyshop.com we've talked in the past about cross-border shopping Uh, the warrior line we just talked about is one that does ship across so if you're an american and your dollar is still 
nice and extra valuable, uh, you'll you'll save even more by checking them out at thehockeyshop.com and having it shipped across camp. Thank you very much for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Kev. Hanging out with Cam. It's good to see uh, that uh, everything's back to normal. And we have uh, Woody and Hutch and uh, Cam all uh, in their respective roles. Their familiar roles on uh, Ingle Radio, the podcast. You guys uh, are, have been busy, uh, both personally and professionally lately. And it's going to crank up again uh, in the next few days with Carrie Price Day. Yep. Sunday morning, dark and early. Uh, we're going to be heading up to Kelowna to... Eli Wilson's day with Carrie Price, something that we've done annually since it began. It's a fantastic day where 18 kids and their families get to spend the day with Carrie. It starts with breakfast. It includes a couple of on-ice sessions, off-ice sessions. Carrie's not just dropping in to make an appearance. He's there right from the beginning, um, using the same dressing room to get ready for all these ice sessions so that the kids can sit around and just talk hockey with him like he's uh, one of his one of the team it's uh it's a really special day and and we've seen Carrie evolve over the years um from being maybe I think it's fair to say a little uncomfortable with the situation when he first went into it to now that he's got a young family uh just interacting really closely with all of the kids and it's uh it's a lot of fun to be a part of and really thankful that Eli puts this together each year and brings us in to be a part of it one of the great pieces of it um is that Woody generally jumps in and and moderates a little Q&A session in the dressing room. Uh, The kids are understandably a little bit unsure about getting started asking some of those questions. And so Kevin makes sure that things get rolling and we try and bring some of that back. And certainly we will to the podcast this year. My guess is that uh, Kerry's getting a little tired of some of Woody's questions Um, just because he's heard them for so long. Nothing to do with the length, Kevin. Uh, But would be great if uh, any of our listeners wanted to ask Carrie a question this weekend. Um, how about you send them into, I don't know, guys, what do you think? Podcast at ingoalmag.com might be a good place. And uh, we'll take some of those questions into them. We'll be reading them right off the phone. So Carrie, we'll see your, uh, your note that's been sent in and we'll try and bring some of those back. While you just did an interview with Glenn Hall, you might be able to jump in and moderate that uh, that little session with Carrie Price. Hutch. <laughs> I don't know. It's Ke- Kevin's good at it. We we like to like to have him do that. I I actually thought that the one that we did this week with Net Three Sixty was the more challenging one to moderate because we were bringing together two guys from from very different backgrounds for this camp. So uh, enjoyed pulling that together. Uh, Woody, what's the first question you're going to ask, Mister Price? This this year That's oh good. yes I got, stumped. Hey? I got him stumped hey, I got him listen stumped. listen i'm not a guy that comes up with things naturally i'm not a smart man you know what so Here's i need to pre- i need to prepare i'll give you one just any any equipment changes for this year from from last year yeah we just already a, a, that's the this is the problem with being as inside as we are darren we already know the equipment changes for this year some of them well, most most people won't even know actually exist even after well, they then see you, it. There you go. There you go. It's a good uh, it's a good answer. I I look forward to it. It's uh, it's one of those cool things. I've I've always followed your your day with Carrie Price and uh, and Eli Wilson and his camp. So this is uh, this is something that's grown and and expanded and uh, it's uh, a real treat. And uh, I love that uh, love that Carrie does it. So uh, good luck. Have a safe trip there, fellas. Thank I'm driving, you. so it'll be okay. <laughs> oh. my eyes a, will be closed yeah let's see yeah. if Hutch can keep his eyes closed at 170 
Yeah, the only thing that'll wake uh, Hutch up will be the uh, the flashing lights in the rearview mirror. Uh, <laughs> as as far as uh, I can tell from for riding with Woody a couple of times. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, there's there was a great quote uh, that was offered as part of our feature interview in this episode. The more rigid a goalie becomes, the easier it will be for a player to deconstruct them. Think about that. You can't play goal at the professional level without structure, without dedication, but creativity is a complementary skill that cannot be overlooked. And uh, every time that you, uh, as a goaltender, are taught to be so uh, just so structured and so formal in the game, uh, it's not bad to throw something different and, and work on, on something that may surprise a shooter. Thanks to Ray. Uh, thanks to Adam. Uh, for David Hutchison, Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard. Focus your game. The season's coming. It's around the corner. But don't forget to enjoy this journey that is on the horizon. If it's not fun, it's not worth it. It's not meant to be painful. I mean, you're going to get hurt anyway. So let's uh, let's take the painful part so that you can control right out of the equation. Enjoy. And please share with us what's in store. Give us the odd update. Bye for now. We'll talk to you next week for episode Carrie Price. You know what I'm doing there? Episode 31. 